John chapter 19 today, right? And the last couple weeks, we've been doing a series called Revealed in Red, and it's all about Jesus. And today, we're coming towards really close to the end of Jesus' story in the Gospels. So, two weeks ago, Kyle kicked us off with Revealed in Red, and we, we, we looked at the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Judas betrays Jesus. Jesus is taken captive by the Jewish officials, the high priests, so really like the church people of the day, okay? And he's taken in to a big uh, Jewish, like, court, okay? And they're, they're trying to, like, tear him down. They're trying to get him. They're trying to really get him killed, right? They're trying to get him killed. Well, Jewish people at that time, they, the Jewish court didn't have the authority to sentence anyone to death. So they got him there. They blaspheme him. They make fun of him, right? And then they decide they're going to take him to Pilate. And you guys know the story of Pilate, right? They get him out in the big court, and, and the people choose Barabbas over Jesus, and that's where Pilate comes in, and Pilate's kind of like, all right, well, I don't want to have anything to do with that, so he washes his hands and kind of walks away. He's like, you do whatever you want to with him, and really, they brought, they went from the Jewish court to Pilate, the Roman court, because the Roman court had the ability to kill Jesus, and that's what they wanted. They wanted Jesus dead, and Pilate was like, I don't really find anything wrong with this guy, so I'm not going to sentence him, but because Really, because I don't want an uprising, because I want some peace, you guys kind of do whatever you want to. Do you want to kill him? Kill him. That's fine. Great. Do it. So they take him, and last week, we, uh, Michael dove into the beginning part of John chapter 19, which is Jesus, where he gets sentenced to be crucified. And we talked about the chains and the chains that, that, that really held Jesus and the chains that hold us down and how really Jesus' death on the cross frees us from our chains. And how when we accept Jesus into our lives and, and we start to follow Jesus and ask Jesus to be our Savior, we no longer have to carry those chains that burden us. We no longer have to carry those chains that weigh us down. And this week, we're going to be in John chapter 19, verses 28, where Jesus actually dies. All right? So, 19, verse 28, starts like this. Later. Now, later is referring to later. Jesus has been on the cross for a while, all right? The process of dying on a cross is like this. They nail you in, they hang you up, and you suffocate. So later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. So Jesus hangs on the cross for a long time. And it says that later, him, Jesus, knowing that everything had been fulfilled, okay? Now, there are over 350 prophecies in the Old Testament directly talking about Jesus, okay? And a prophecy is something that is, like, the prophecy from the Old Testament means this. Someone hundreds, maybe thousands of years before Jesus said, this is going to, Jesus is going to come, this is going to happen, Right? And, or they pr prophesied some kind of savior coming in the world. And Jesus coming into the world fulfilled that prophecy. Does that make sense? Okay, so 
prophecies, over 350 prophecies about Jesus happened and were fulfilled within his lifetime. And on the day that he was crucified, on the day that he died, right, the day we're reading about right now, death day, right, 28 were fulfilled just on that day. And so right here, Jesus says, knowing that everything had been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled and so that he would fulfill another prophecy about himself. He didn't have to do this. Knowing that there was a prophecy referring to him getting a drink, right, saying, I'm thirsty, Jesus says, I am thirsty. And that actually comes from, from uh, Psalm 69.21, which says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. So verse 29, he, Jesus says, I am thirsty. Verse 29, a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. So Jesus is on the cross, right? I'm, I'm assuming this is a really gloomy day. There's two other people up there with Jesus. All the family and all the followers that were brave enough to follow Jesus up to the cross and were brave enough to watch Jesus die on the cross were there, and they were watching the Roman soldiers that had led Jesus up there, the guards that were there uh, protecting, they were all there with Jesus, right, on the cross. And a jar of wine vinegar just happened to be in the picture as well. Now, this wine vinegar is also called sour wine. Sour wine. And this was like cheap stuff. This was the cheapest of cheap wine. This is, so in their day, water really wasn't purified like we have now. Most of the time, if they were going to drink water, it would have some kind of, like, really bad dirt in it that might give you the runs or some kind of disease or, like, something disgusting, right? So you, so you didn't want to drink the water, right? They're like, whatever you do, don't drink the water, right? That kind of thing, okay? So that they had, like, this sour wine, this wine vinegar, and basically it was cheap wine. And, uh, and really, the laborers were con- people who, like, did manual work, people who worked outside, laborers, or... Roman soldiers were very common to drinking wine vinegar or sour wine, okay? And your translation may say sour wine. This one says wine vinegar, okay? They're the same thing. And so they go to this bucket of sour wine. He says, I am thirsty. Everyone's kind of looking around. They're close enough where they can probably hear him say, I am thirsty. And one of, I guess one of the soldiers, it just says, they, right, a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked it in a sponge. I don't know who they is. Maybe it's a, one of the soldiers. Maybe it's, maybe it's one, of the, one of his followers there who loved him. It just says they, okay. So they soaked a sponge in it. So they just grab a sponge. I assume it looks just like that sponge in the middle, just a normal bath sponge, right. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's some kind of old crusty sponge that you get out of the ocean. I'm, you know, I'm. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's a sponge. Let's just go with sponge, right? Just your purple, your purple sponge that you use at home, right? So that when your, loofah is, when your loofah breaks, your sponge, whatever, blah, 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 okay? So a sponge, and they take this sponge, and they put it in a bucket. They soak it up. They put it on a large hyssop stalk. So let's just, let's just say a, a, a stick that you carved into a spear, okay? Let's just, just imagine it like that. And they lift it up to his mouth, okay? Now, this Number one, if I'm 
out on a rainy day and there's a crucifixion happening, I'm not going to casually drink out of the jar of wine vinegar that's there. You ask why? I'll answer it for you. Because more than likely, that jar of wine vinegar had a lot of dirt in it. People had, multiple people had probably drunk out of it. And more specifically, if someone's going to touch my mouth with that sponge that's been in that jar, it's probably had muddy and dirty hands that had gripped it and that had picked it up, soaked it, I, I don't know, however you, I don't know, drained it and then put it back in. I don't know, whatever that was, right? And so there's a lot of dirt and, and disgustingness here in this wine jar. And so if I'm there on that day, I'm not drinking out of that jar, okay? But this is what they give to Jesus. None of his followers get up and, and, and run to get something for him to drink. No, no one says, wait, 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 don't give him that disgusting, nasty stuff that everyone and their mom's been drinking out of. Let, let me go get him the, the best bottle of wine I have. Or let me go get him some purified water. Let me go get him a Dr. Pepper because that was his favorite drink. Or, you know, like, the, no one said that, right? And, and they, they just let... They just let them, they just let him drink out of the, the wine vinegar, the sour wine. And when I read this, I looked at this and I thought to myself, how many times do I give Jesus the sour wine? How many times does Jesus ask me to do something, instead of me giving him the best, I give him what's convenient, or I give him, really, I give him the worst, Right? How many times? I, I know for me, it's a lot. It's a lot. A lot of times I choose to give Jesus the sour wine, the wine vinegar, the, the stuff that's got really just grit and dirt all in it from, from a day's drinking, right? Instead of running and spending a little more labor and getting him something worth drinking, getting him something really, really good. And maybe your sour wine looks like this. Maybe you know that you need to talk to someone about Jesus. Maybe Jesus has put it on your heart to talk to Bennett Holloway about Jesus, right? But instead of talking to Bennett Holloway about Jesus, you post an Instagram picture hoping that Bennett Holloway will look at your Instagram picture about Jesus and that he'll come to know Jesus because he looked at your Instagram. That's giving sour wine. Instead of talking to someone about Jesus, you post a picture about it. That's giving sour wine. But here's what's crazy. Here's what blows my mind, right? Blows my mind. Jesus took the wine vinegar. He didn't say anything about it. He just, he just took it casually, right? He's like, I'm thirsty. So he just took what was available. Jesus, he's very humble, right? He is God. He's cool. He's got it. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. If you look in the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, right, they, they will tell you that he actually said in a loud voice. And so some people would say he, he just, he didn't really, he, he got that, he, he got this drink, number one, to fulfill the prophecy. Number two, to kind of clear his throat a little bit, to give him a little bit of, of, I don't know, you know when you have cotton mouth, you can't really, blah, 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 right? And you got to get some, some water so you can talk clearly, so, so you can be clear, maybe so you can talk a little louder. And so 
he gets this wine vinegar, and when he received it, he said, and, he's, and, and Matthew says, he says it in a loud voice. He says, it is finished. And I can only assume that he said that so that everyone in the area would hear it. So that not just the people surrounding the cross could hear him, when he, like, like when he asked for a drink, when he said, I am thirsty, but that everyone in the area could hear that it was finished. It was finished. With that, with that proclamation, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The Bible doesn't say that he bowed his head and he let his spirit go. But he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now there's a difference there. There's a difference. You see, Jesus, knowing that everything that was prophesied about him had come to fulfillment, knowing that his task on earth was to save us from our sins by dying on a cross as a perfect human being, yet a perfect God at the same time. He had reached fulfillment. He had made it to his destiny. And in part of completing his destiny, which is completed in his resurrection, right? In fulfilling his destiny, he dies on the cross. And by saying, it is finished, he says, my work on this cross for your sins right now is done. Hey, I still got a little bit left. I'm still going to raise from the dead, right? But right now, it's done. I've lived the perfect life. I've done the miracles. I've showed you that I'm Jesus. I've showed you that I'm God. I've showed you that I can save you from your sins, that I can rescue you from your pits that I, can, that I can restore you from any sin that you've ever committed, that I can save you and that I can heal you from any sickness that, that's ever been known, that, that's ever come about. And now's the time for me to save you from the one thing you can't get away from, yourself. And he dies on the cross for you and for me. So 10 days ago, right, I said I do, and I, a lot of people say that they don't remember a lot about their wedding. I remember everything. I don't know, I don't know if it was the 12 Red Bulls I had uh, the hour before, or, I'm kidding, I didn't have that. I, I was just very, like, vigilant, like, very, like, like, I saw the grass move, okay? I, I took in everything, all right? And, uh, <laughs> wow, I was going to make a Kung Fu Panda reference there, but it's, it's not necessary. Uh, so I took in everything, and I remember everything. I remember so much. And I have, I have a top three list of things that, that, that I loved the most about mining Kristen's wedding, about getting to marry Kristen, right? And, and, you know, seeing her walk down the aisle and just seeing how beautiful she was and, and getting to read the prayers she wrote for me were, were some of the top ones, okay? Really, they're the top. But in that top list is a moment that I didn't even have, but that I just saw. And that moment was when I had finished taking pictures with my family, and I was going, my immediate family, my, my parents' family, right? And I was going to take pictures with my new family, Kristen's family. And as my family's walking away and, and her family's kind of getting together, 
to, to come and take it, one big family group photo, I see my grandpa. I look at him in a distance, and my grandpa, he kind of looks like John Wayne, okay? I mean, he, he, he's kind of a greedy guy, right? He, uh, he, he always wears pearl snaps. His pants, they kinda, they're Wranglers always, and they kind of like sit a little low, kind of like, I, I can't even describe it. You guys know, like he kind of has a gut, and they kind of sit low, but he always wears the belt with the big belt buckle, right? Does that make sense? And so I see him kind of walking away, and I, I just, I haven't done it justice, right? This guy, let me just explain my grandpa a little bit more, right? My grandpa, he was never the guy to be really emotional. I, I remember the first time I, my, I remember my grandpa saying he loved me, right? And he might have said it before, but I remember the first time he said it was when I was 11 years old, really uh, September of 2000. When I was 11 years old, my grandpa told me he loved me after I had, uh, my, my great-grandma had passed away, and I was in a, I was in a stage where, where I wanted to grab onto everything I knew. Everything that I really knew, I wanted to grab onto it. I wanted to, I wanted to just keep it close to me and try to control everything, right? And I remember going to my grandpa and telling him that I love him, and he said, and he, he you know, he just kind of patted me and said, you know, I love you too. And, and, and that, was, that was a big moment, but, but outside of that, I mean, he smokes two packs a day, and he drinks nothing but beer and milk. And so, I mean, he's not really the guy who's going who's gonna to run up to me and greet me at the door and, Evan, I love you so much. You're my favorite, right? I know he's thinking that, but he's not like, he's not that kind of guy. I mean, he's a, he's a tough guy. He, I mean, he works outside. He, he's a garden guy. He, he repairs trucks. Uh, he, he repairs anything that comes into his yard now. He's retired. Uh, he was a construction worker. Like, he was like a man's man. He's still a man's man. But in this moment when I'm about to take pictures with my new family, I see my grandpa walking up, and he turns, and he, he, he looks at Michael, and, and this is what I hear. Michael Head. Because Michael did our wedding. I'm so thankful. And this is what he said. He said, that's my man. He said, that's my little man. And every time I think about that, I'm just brought to tears. Because the last eight years, I haven't spent a lot of time with my grandpa. I actually call him Papu. Now, I know that's a weird name. They tried to get me to call him Pawpaw. And I think maybe I hit Paw and then had to, so Papu, right? And so that's kind of how that worked out. But, so I, I haven't spent a lot of time with him. You know, growing up, I would go see him all the time. I would see him weekly, you know, I'd see him at least once, twice, three times a week to hang out with him, go stay at his house, and just get to catch up. But these last eight years that I've been in Houston, and I was really convicted the last couple years, I, I've seen him really at Christmas and Easter. I've neglected him. I haven't gone to his back surgery. I don't, when I go to my parents' house, my grandpa lives about 15 miles away from my parents. I don't go see him. And it's not because I don't like him. It's because he's not convenient for me. And even though he's not convenient enough, even though he wasn't convenient enough for me to justify spending time with him over the last eight years, my grandpa still loves me with his whole heart. Loves me with everything I am to the point that he would get emotional when I, I went up to hug him and I went to tell him that I love him and I'm so thankful he was here he started crying and said, I love you too. I mean, that was a big moment. But bigger yet was when I saw him. When I saw him not saying it to me, but saying it to Michael, saying, that's my man. That's my boy. 
And so many times, my neglecting him was giving him sour wine, was giving him the wine vinegar, was giving